This morning, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The title of my message this morning is, A New Day But God. A New Day But God. Last week, I talked about how things changed and God laid something on my heart, but throughout the week, the Lord said, why stop there? So I said, okay. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The way the universe begins is this. There was a beginning. It was called the Big Bang. This is what the world tells us. This is what the world tells us, that, that the Big Bang is the reason. And the Big Bang lays the foundation for how the world began and everything that's in our solar system. A solar system that is about 14 billion years ago when nothing collapsed upon itself and it created this universe. And then the sun started to form and it pulled itself in by this massive gravity force and it started to cause all of the planets that we know of to come into its orbit. And about 4.5 five billion years ago the earth began to form this is why everything revolves in an orbit around the sun according to their theory and this theory was created by a man named nicholas copernicus and we talked a little bit about nicholas copernicus who was inspired who was inspired by the ancient egyptian god thoth you can put that slide up thoth in the Greek culture, he was Hermes, and in the Egyptian culture, he was Thoth. But this is what inspired Thoth, or Copernicus, when he wrote about his theory. And I want to read to you this, a few verses from the emerald tablet written by Thoth. And even though there's two images, the one on the left is pretty much what we're always referring to, because the one on the right is from the Greek culture named Hermes. And you know what's interesting? Remember the Flash? I mean, the real Flash. Flash Gordon. What did he have on his shoes? Wings. Yeah, and guess who has wings on his shoes? Hermes, the original Flash. And so here you have Thoth and Hermes, but they're both the same. And it got transformed into uh, Hermes Hermogustus. And this is what inspired Nicholas Copernicus Here's what it says in the tablet. Now, this tablet it was written, they say, very early, early, early. The ninth century is like the earliest we could find it, but, but they say it's from like thousands and thousands of years before, before even Christ came, and it was really, really old. But this is what it says in this tablet that was translated in 1925 by Doril. Tablet 3 says this. Man is a star bound to a body until... In the end, he is freed through his strife. Only by struggle and toiling, thy utmost shall the star within thee bloom out 
into new life. This is the actual writings from Thoth, who was the magic scientist referred to. They refer to him as the magic scientist. Writing in this document, giving people wisdom, and he says that a star is bound to the body and that we are free and we shall be free and come into a new life by the stars. Tablet 4 says this. Tablet 4 says, Know ye, O man, whatever from ye inhabit, surely it is one with the stars. There, thy bodies are nothing but planets revolving around their central suns. And this is where Nicholas Copernicus got his idea for the heliocentric model of the universe. Heliocentric. Helios, the sun god, centric, center. Because why? We are the stars, and the stars all in the planets revolve around their central suns. And remember, this is from Thoth, the emerald tablet. And then tablet 9 says this. Seek ye, O man, to find the great pathway that leads to eternal life as a son. These people believed that they were actually going to be a son. And why would they believe they were going to be a son? Why did they believe they were going to be a son? Simply because of this. In the middle of everything, the sun. For the sun is called the lantern of the universe. It's mined by others. It's rulers by still others. A visible God, the all-seeing. They believed that they would become gods themselves and that it was through the wisdom of thought that they would begin to elevate themselves beyond the earth into the universe and become their own son, become their own god. This is what inspired Copernicus as he came up with his ideal about the universe and the planets that revolve around its central god. It was a theory of how the whole universe came about and operated. But how did it begin? Well, the Bible, as we read this morning, is very clear. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Period. God did it. The Bible is very clear. But yet, the world believes something different. Well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. What's the big deal? Because this is usually the typical response that I get when I talk to people about the story of creation, what's the big deal? I mean, honestly, as long as you believe that God created the universe, whether it came about through the Big Bang or gap theory or day-age theory or framework hypothesis, it doesn't really matter. As long as we believe that God did it, what's the big deal? This is usually the, the typical response. But I am not concerned about you. I'm not concerned about you who believe in God. I'm not concerned about you who have given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you understand this, that Jesus is required for my salvation and I am going to heaven because I, have, I believe in the name of Jesus. He has forgiven me, redeemed me, changed me. I am now a child of God. I'm not concerned about you. But what I am concerned about are people who do not know the power and the authority of God's Word. I am concerned about people who do not know that the Bible is from God, that it is living, it is active, it is His Word, it is His breath that He has breathed into those pages. It is flawless and without error. 
And here's the problem, that if the story of creation is just a myth or poetry or, or, or it's some type of metaphysical type or metaphorical type of, of story, then why take the rest of the Bible seriously? If you can reduce Scripture down to some fairy tale with wisdom teachings, then it's no different than you going to a Chinese restaurant and breaking open one of those fortune cookies and getting wisdom from those things, from those papers. It's no different. It's just literature. It's just poetry. It's just wisdom. Why worry about the rest of the story where it tells us that if we don't accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will go to hell for eternity? Why, why worry about that? It's no big deal. It's just a story. It's just a book. God's Word has been marginalized in our world, and it is a book that has now become a book where if you want to find religion, turn to the book. But I'm not interested in religion I'm interested in Jesus Christ and the relationship that we gain from his word. Because what the world has done for us, what the world has done to the generations and generations and generations and generations has conditioned us to be lied to. I want you to understand this, that we have been conditioned as people to accept lies. Now, when we were young, we were taught about this person that came about at a certain time. And we believed that this person would be very kind to us during this time. We believed this as children. And we would set out, you know, the things that would be necessary in order for this person to come, like buffalo wings and Coca-Cola because I always come to those things, right? But we believe that, you know, you said all certain things that this person would come. And, but then as we got older, we started to think, wait a minute, we don't have that device that is supposed to enable that person to come. We don't have, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you get to every child in the world on one night? And we started to ask questions and we started to realize that it wasn't true. Just a childish fairy tale that we believed. Oh well. See, we get conditioned to be lied to. That we, we just say, okay, no big deal. You see, when we were young, we were taught that our solar system was designed and the earth was moving around the sun. You see it in elementary schools all over. You see it in billboards. You see it everywhere. We are conditioned that this is what we believe. And then when we read the Bible, we start reading things in the Bible that don't make sense, like the things, like the earth doesn't move. Oh, well, it's just a story. It's just a belief. Something my grandma really believed in, something my mom told me about, but something my Sunday school teacher told me about, but no big deal. You see, that's the problem. But I think it is a big deal. And I hold fast to the Word of God. This is my stance on the Bible. I, I mentioned this last week, but I want to read it again. The Bible is God's word. It is a collection of writings where God took the initiative to make himself known to his creation. And all scripture is inspired by God. It speaks on many different topics. When the Bible mentions things of history, it is accurate. When the Bible mentions things of nature, it is accurate. It is only when the Bible mentions things of science do we have to change the natural reading of the text to fit a modern scientific view when interpreting the word of God we should let the Bible stand on its own and no matter what science 
which is human knowledge through observation and experimentation, ever claims, I firmly believed, according to Proverbs 30, that every word of God proves true. And that includes the creation story. So how did this world begin? It was from the Big Bang, the world tells us. Why is the Big Bang so important? Because if you don't have the Big Bang, then you don't have evolution. And if you don't have evolution, then the only possibility for life here on this place has to be someone greater than us. It has to be. And so they need all of these pieces in order to fit the lie that they tell us. According to NASA's science website, it says this when it comes to the Big Bang. Astronomers combine mathematical models with observations to develop workable theories on how the universe came, in to be, came to be. The mathematical underpinnings of the Big Bang theory include Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity along with standard theories of fundamental particles. So in order for the Big Bang to operate, it has to be proven. And the way scientists prove things is not by experimentation. Nicholas, um, or, um, uh, Tesla, back in the 30s, he was upset because he realized that all of the sci scientific community abandoned experiments. They abandoned the things that they would practically think when we think of scientists, things that they would test and see if it's provable, how this reacts, how that reacts. They abandoned all of that and they started to develop their theories based upon mathematical solutions. And Nikola, or, um, Tesla says, these guys are crazy that they abandoned those things. They, they, they're off in their own little world. They're not, they're not developing these things from a practical point of view. So the mathematical underpinnings of the Big Bang include Albert Einstein. Einstein's math tells us how the universe began. Einstein, you know, the, the man with the crazy hair that we say is the most brilliant man to ever live on the earth. Let me tell you something about Einstein. He did not believe in God. Do you think a man who does not believe in God is going to ever look to Scripture for truth? He is going to tell us everything opposite of truth. And this is what he wrote in a letter to an atheist in 1954. This is what Einstein said. It was, of course, a lie what you read about my religious convictions. A lie which is being systematically repeated. I do not believe in a personal God. And I've never denied this, but have clearly expressed it. If something is in me which can be called religious, then it is the unbound admiration for the structure of the world so far as our science can reveal it. Einstein was not interested in what God said. Einstein wasn't interested in God. He didn't believe in God, and he told his friend in this letter in 1954, I don't believe in a personal God, and if there's anything I believe in, it's what we discover. It's what we can find. The kingdom of the world is always trying to destroy the very beginning of our story. This is why the, the story of creation is very controversial in the church world. 
People just don't want to talk about it because you don't want to be the person that says, oh, I believe in a literal translation. Well, if you believe in a literal translation, then obviously you must believe it's fairy tale because science tells us these things. I reject the foundation on which our science has been taught. I reject it completely. And you say, well, pastor, you're going to look anti-intellectual in case you're not as, you know, in the circles of academia. That means you look stupid. I don't care what the world thinks. What I care about are people who do not know who Jesus Christ is and has been covered up and marginalized because of what this world has taught the generations of children, students, people, adults. They taught that God isn't real. Yeah, if you want religion, if you want to go to church to make yourself feel better, to, to, to have some type of philosophy in your life, go for it. But science is truth. I'm not going to believe someone who did not believe in my God. I'm not going to believe him. Why? Because he's never going to lead me to the truth. You see, I have an agenda when I talk to people. I want to get them saved. I have an agenda, and I'm open and honest with that agenda. I do not back down from it. Why? Because they need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. My agenda getting to know you is I want you to know who Jesus is. Do you think I'm the only one with an agenda? Do you think I'm the only one who has an agenda? Absolutely not. I think Nicholas Copernicus had an agenda when he was following the writings of Thoth and believed in this planet revolving around the sun who he believes is a god. I think Albert Einstein has an agenda trying to prove the Big Bang, trying to prove something to take away God from the story. The kingdom of the world is always trying to destroy the beginning of our story because what does it start off as? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The story of how God created it. The story of how mankind sinned and God promised a solution. A savior would be born and one day that seed would crush the head of the serpent. The story how Jesus died for us the story of how we will be eternally with him. The world is always trying to destroy that story. The kingdom of this world is always trying to blind people from the simple story of creation. Why is there such an attack on the story of creation? Because the devil has always tried, listen, the devil has always tried to destroy the beginning. He's always tried to destroy the beginning. The devil tries to always stop what God is planning to do. You see, the devil tried to destroy man's relationship with God, so he came into the garden one day and he deceived Eve. But God stepped in, cursed the devil, promised that he would send his son who would defeat his power. You see, at the very beginning, at a new day, but God. A new day, but God. You see, at the very beginning, the devil tried to destroy our relationship, but God stepped in. So the devil tried to destroy the whole race of people, but God stepped in and brought a flood and saved Noah. 
The devil tried to inspire people to rebel against God and to build a tower, but God stepped in and confused their language. And at the very beginning, the devil is always trying to destroy the work of God, even at the birth of Jesus Christ. At the very beginning of God's plan for redemption, where it was coming to pass, and Jesus was born into this world, the devil tried to steal him, or try to kill him. But God stepped in once again and saved the life of the child. At the very beginning, the devil tried to stop what God desires to do. But the results are, but God. But God stepped in and saved the Savior. But God stepped in and saved the people through a flood. But God stepped in and delivered Jesus from death. But God. This morning, the sun rose and it is the beginning of a new day. And we know this, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Each day has a new beginning. Each day has a new beginning. But I bet you, and I guarantee you, that the devil is going to try to steal, kill, and destroy, just as Jesus promised he would. Every day, the devil is out to destroy, out to steal, out to kill. The Bible warns us that he goes around like a lion roaring, looking for someone to devour. Don't think that just because it's Sunday morning and the sun is risen and, and it's daylight that the devil isn't interested in doing what he's wanting to be doing since the beginning of time to destroy, to kill, to steal who you are. At the very beginning, God is trying to, or the devil is trying to destroy us. But just like this morning, at the very beginning, there's a new day. But God. But God. Today, I feel afraid. But God said that I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. You see, today I feel afraid. But God said, but God, I give you not a spirit of fear. Today I feel depressed, or I feel deserted i feel i'm in need but god said that my god will meet your needs according to his riches and glory in christ jesus i need a i need a financial miracle but god said i will meet your needs i messed up i sinned i i i've done some things i shouldn't have done but god said where sin increased grace increased all the more I, I failed, I, I've ruined my life because of my past, but God said that I will work out all things for those who love me and those who have been called according to my purpose. Today I can't understand why I'm going through the times that I am going through, the hardships, the suffering, the pain. I don't understand why God is allowing me to go down this path, but God said Therefore, do not lose heart, though we are outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. For so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want you to know that you may be going through hardships, financial difficulties, health problems, situations you don't understand, but God will always step in and save you from the moments that you are facing. 
I am not convinced of this world and its wisdom, but I am convinced of the one who has never lied and the one who has never failed. I am very convinced of the one who has been faithful since the beginning of time. I am convinced in the one that in the one we call God Most High. And he will never fail you, never leave you, never disappoint you, never forsake you, because he is God. He is not man. He is not like us. He is ever faithful and loyal to his people. And you can guarantee that God will never change. And God will always be the one who is described in his word. Today is a new day, and God is still in control. Today is a new day, and he is still moving, still watching, still willing to step in and change whatever you are going through. Why? Because he loves you, and that love, the Bible promises, never ends. It is unending. I want you to understand this, that the love your father has for you has never ended, never changed. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, his love for you never ends. He is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today is a new day. Listen, things aren't perfect in my life. I go through struggles. I go through hardships. No different than you. It's just that I got a tie on. That's all. There are times that I wake up and I say, how God? Why? But God, you promised that you would never leave me nor forsake me. God, you promised that those who know your name, you will never forsake. But God, you promised that if I love you and I acknowledge your name, that you will be with me even in times of trouble and you will show me your salvation and you will bring honor and, 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 and glorify and lift me up because you promised God. But God, this morning I want to read to you a longer portion of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 28 and I want to show you the heart of who God is. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is why I love the word of God, because his word is true. Deuteronomy 28 says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. This is very important the way God starts this off because he's telling you, listen, if you are loyal, if you're faithful to me, if you find me, if you obey me, if you do what I ask, I am going to set you high above all the nations of the earth. Why? Because these people, even though they were free, lived as slaves. And sometimes when we live as slaves, when we live in a certain situation, that's all we think about. It's all we think about. There are basketball teams, football teams that have all the talent they can imagine, but yet they lose. Why? Because Danny Ainge said one time in in Boston Celtics, he says, our team just doesn't know how to win. They just don't have the right attitude on how to win. 
There's something about having the right attitude, believing that God has set you high above all nations. Why? Because in our minds, we still think that we're trapped in a sinful life, or we think that God is going to punish us because of the mistakes we did, or we think that God is never going to move because things never change. I'm going to tell you, I have faith in my God. Even when I am afraid, I am still believing that God is going to step in. Why? Because he's never failed. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know know this that God is going to move why because I believe that he made me a winner he made me more than a conqueror and he's made you the same but yet we don't live that way we don't think that way why because we have failure and disappointments and discouragement and hardships and all these things but I'm not living there I'm living where God sees me I'm living where God sees me and he is the one who is going to set us high above all nations and it's not so that we're better than them it's because God is proud of who we are God loves who we are when my niece comes over and we're celebrating a birthday she always sings a solo I sing better than her I sing better than her I mean you may disagree but I think I do but why do her parents always sit there with the biggest smiles on their face as little Elise sings her song? Because they're proud. They set her up above all, saying, this is my child. How much more does your father say that when you are humble, that he will lift you up? He will literally exalt you. Why? Because he's proud. We must have that attitude. We must know that God is for us and not against us. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Look at what God is doing. He's saying, listen, these blessings that I'm going to give you, they will come upon you. I don't care what you think. I don't care how it looks. I don't care if you've been traveling for 40 years. If you fully obey me, God will be there for you. He says, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. God is saying, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how close you live to a big city or if you feel they are in the outskirts of town. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, you will find blessing. When I was going through a difficult time here at church and I was wondering, man, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? God told me this, I'm going to bless you here. 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 Because I don't need to be in the perfect church or have the perfect people or have the perfect speaking ability. I just need to be someone who believes and trusts in God. You don't have to have the perfect job. You don't have to have the perfect circumstances. You don't have to have the, the perfect education, the perfect past. God will bless you right there where you're at because it doesn't matter in the city or in the country. His blessings will come upon you. The fruit, verse 4, the fruit of your womb will be blessed and your crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flock, your basket, your kneading throw, trough will be blessed. 
you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Do you starting to get the sense of how God feels about his people? It doesn't matter where you're coming or going. You're going to be blessed. There's something special about you. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction, but will flee from you in seven. God is letting you know that you can walk in confidence, knowing that God is with you. The one who created the heavens and the earth is with you. And when you go, he goes. Wherever you go, he goes. And your enemy will scatter. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything, uh, everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep his commands, your God will walk and walk in obedience to him. Then the people on the earth will see that you are called by my name, by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. He says that he did this on oath. He, he gives us his word. He gives us his word that I will not break these promises. You keep your end, I'll keep mine. I think that's a good deal. I think it's a real good deal that if we just decide to obey the Lord and keep our commitment to him, that he is going to bless us here. Whether we're going, whether we're coming, we're in the city, we're out of the city, it doesn't matter. God is going to bless us. He's going to fight for us. Verse 11, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in your womb, in your livestock, the crops in your ground, and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Bible says that he will grant you abundant prosperity. Well, pastor, I, I just don't see prosperity in my life. You don't have to see it, but you must believe. You must believe. I don't believe that our prosperity is linked to our bank account. I don't believe our prosperity is linked to what we have or don't have. I believe this, that our abundant prosperity is linked to the promise on oath by the one who has never lied to us. You don't have to be satisfied. You don't have to settle. Believe that God will produce abundant prosperity in your life. And whatever it is, your children, your property, whatever it is, God will bring it to you. Verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens and the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on the land and season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. I want you to see this, that God will open the heavens. God will open the resources of heaven just to bless you. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. You see, I believe what my God says in his word. I believe his creation story. I believe in the Son of God that came and was described in the Gospels. I believe that he is returning and coming and bringing his reward with him as described in Revelations. And I believe, according to Deuteronomy, that the promises that he made on oath will be fulfilled. And I do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid of what you're going through because you will always be on top and not the bottom. Now, suffering is real. 
Times of troubles are real. I'm not saying that everything is just going to be perfect in your life, but I am telling you this, you hold on to God and you're going to enjoy the end a lot more than what you go through right now. You're going to enjoy the end. Because look at the story of Job, one of the very first writings that we have in history. Job is one of the oldest books that we actually have in our history. And look at the story of Job. Job went through suffering after suffering. His friends were against him. His, his wife even turned on him. Everyone was against Job and he lost everything in a moment. He lost everything. Why? Simply because the devil was going around looking for someone to destroy. And God says, well, have you seen my servant Job? Have you seen him? He believes me. He trusts me. And Job went through a horrible situation. And all of this, Job never turned his back on God. It did come a point where Job started to speak things that were not of wisdom, start saying things that were not true. God stepped in. He corrected him. But then what happened? The Bible says that Job was blessed more in the latter than in the former. That God restored and he did something amazing for Job. But do you think Job saw it there? When he was scraping the boils off of his skin? When he heard the news that he lost all of his family, all of his property? Do you think he saw it when at that moment? Because Job never knew what was going on. Job wasn't in, 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 into the situation where he could see what was going on in the spiritual world. We're told that so we understand. But Job, all he did was just one day things turned on him. One day things just went south. And he's sitting there in the midst of loss and never turned on his God. And I want to tell you something. You may be sitting there and you feel like Job and you say, God, I don't understand. God, why? I want you to know this, that do not give up on your God because he will never give up on you. And if you hold in there, he will do everything he has promised. Why? He gave his word. And he is not a man that he should lie. That when he speaks, he acts. And when he promises, he will fulfill. That's the God we serve. The God who created the heavens and the earth. It's a new day. Whatever you're facing, I want you to know, but God will step in and he will change your story. Don't give up on God.